a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Have you completely dedicated every part of yourself to? And I said, well, what's the answer? And she says, that's the trouble. The answer is always no. I said, well, let's ask the question a different way. Has Jesus given everything for you? Has he dedicated his whole life to you? Has he invited you into his heart? And the answer to that is a glorious and gracious and conscious, freeing, comforting yes. Uh, only then we, we hear the gospel, that Jesus Christ came to earth, uh, was born of a Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life uh, in our place, and died the death that we deserved, took on the full wrath of God. All that was done for us so that we could be called righteous and holy in the eyes of God. That's not going to help with the who wants to date a seminarian hotline right there. <laughs> it's another time for Table Talk Radio, everyone's favorite right. Lutheran theological game show with everyone's least favorite theme music. <laughs> I like that theme music. You and I are the only ones. Whenever I talk to you, oh, love the show. I like the old theme music better, though. <laughs> I know. Lutherans just don't like change. <laughs> oh, man. We, we need to start doing some seminars or something about being seeker-sensitive on the radio. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> now, you've, now you've done it. Now you've done it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, despite that, uh, we have an excellent show in store for you today because we're doing some... Some buzzwords first. Uh, I don't know if we have any uh, listeners to respond to, but if we do, we'll do that. And then um, we have this new top ten list. Yeah, uh, I you think might be a pietist, if <laughs> Pastor Wolf has, has a secret desire to uh, be David Letterman. Wants to do these top ten lists all the time. So it's a, this is a combo of David Letterman and um, who's the guy that says you might be a redneck if? Uh, oh. Uh, I can't remember. Is it Jeff Foxworthy or is it? Yeah, yeah. Jeff. Fo- this is kind of Jeff Foxworthy and David Letterman combined uh, with good theology. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying not that those guys have yeah. bad theology? <laughs> I mean, look, I don't want to be judgmental. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's hit our buzzwords. Um, and the buzzword I have for you. Are you ready? Yep. Modalism. Whoa. <laughs> and this is the belief that the the different persons. Um, of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit act in different modes. This, by the way, is a Christian heresy. Um, so you don't want to be inserting this in your, your letters to your pastor or anything like this. Um, but but it, it teaches that, that God would put on a, a mask and work, God the Father would on, put on a mask and work in one way, in one mode, and then uh, would cease that mode to become the Son and operate as the Son and then cease that role mode and then became the Holy Spirit. And so you don't have this this uh, holy trinity of, of one substance, but rather three distinct persons, and only three distinct persons. Right. And my buzzword for you is a buzz phrase, so I guess you'll get extra credit. It is marks of the church. Uh, th- these, this is the phrase that we use to refer to um, 
uh, of uh, how do you know where the church is? How do you see the church or smell the church or hear the church? How do you know what it is? And we say uh, that the marks of the church, because the church is basically all those who have faith and trust in Christ. So how do you know where the church is? Well, it's wherever those things that create faith and trust in Christ are. So the Lord's word, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Uh, that is the gospel rightly preached, and also the sacraments, which also create and sustain faith, baptism and the Lord's Supper. So the marks of the church are the gospel rightly preached and the sacraments rightly administered. So that's your uh, buzz phrase, marks of the church. Okay. Do do we have any uh, listeners to respond to? Not that I know of. Okay. (laughs) Well, uh, you can can write in your comments or questions to our program. Uh, 866-851-5523. You wouldn't want to write if you're calling this number. You'd want to use your voice and leave a a message on our voicemail system, 866-851-5523, or write us questions at tabletalkradio.org. Okay. Well, uh, should we start talking about our, our top ten list here? Well, yes, we, we should maybe talk first before we get into this. You know, You might be a pietist if. What in the world is pietism? Uh, a, pi- a pietism is a is a theological um, viewpoint, and, and it can be kind of it can be boiled down to this. And the reason why we're talking about this is because pietism runs rampant in in the United States in the American Church. Uh, it's kind of the um, the the native religion of American Christianity, and and one of the central marks of pietism is that. The chief thing in being a Christian is growth in good works and not right doctrine. So a pietist is going to be interested, is going to have their theological emphasis in uh, in good works, in obedience, uh, rather than in orthodoxy or in getting the doctrine right. Now, we've talked um, about this before, and isn't this right, Pastor, that that the problem with pietism is more that it's an, it's an emphasis— on a certain thing rather than a denial or a false teaching. So if I walk up to a pious and said, you know, uh, Jesus Christ died for all of your sins, would they have a problem with, with what I just said? No, of course not. A real rabid pietist might say, well, yeah, but you also have to do good works. I mean, they might be kind of defensive against just uh, what they might call easy believism or something like this. But no, generally, uh, uh, it's not, you're right, it's not a matter of uh, right and wrong uh, beliefs, but a matter of emphasis. The, the the theological emphasis of Pietism is on growth in good works. Okay, so with that with that said, we want to dig into this. Uh, you might be a Pietist if, and I think you have the first one. Is that right? Yes, number ten. You might be a Pietist if you keep a journal which charts your progress in good works. Oh, I better <laughs> throw that away then. Okay, I don't have a journal. Um, <laughs> this is <laughs> this is going to be a cleansing for your table talk radio host. <laughs> now, now this is uh, this is if if you're uh, listening to the show and some of these start to describe you, then hopefully you can laugh along with us. But consider what it means. Uh, why would a pietist keep a journal that pro- uh, measures their progress in good works or their struggles with sin or something like this? There's this strong theme of introspection. It's not wrong to be introspective, uh, but but this um, but to make this introspective searching of your own heart to see if you're on the path of obedience. Uh, is is certainly a mark of pietism. Uh, like we said, it fits right with the theme that growth in good works is um, is the main thing in your religion. Yep, that's right. Okay, well, are you ready for another one? I'm ready. 
Okay. Number nine. You... <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> now I am. Now I am. Number nine. You might be a pietist if you find yourself repeating the words Father God and just over and over in your prayers. <laughs> This is a funny one, though. There's a certain, you know, each kind of theological emphasis will will uh, will create its own vocabulary. And I'm sure people listening to us will notice that we use certain words over and over. Uh, but one of the marks of a pietist is when they're praying, uh, God is addressed as Father God uh, any number of times. And then this phrase, just, you know you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Father God, I just want to thank you for for just being so good and just... Uh, <laughs> listening to our prayers and 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 just blessing those guys on the radio. You know, it's the just you gotta so you gotta count the number of times the word just comes up in your prayers and um, uh, to determine how piet how much of a pietist you are. Yeah. No, I I, uh, I have I've had this uh, gruesome task. I'm I'm uh, redoing our website, so you can look forward to that. But I have I'm having to go through and listen to some of our old shows, which is just. Uh, torture, I think, of, of some sort. Um, but uh, I was thinking we need to do this this thing that these guys over at uh, Car Talk do. I don't know if you ever listen to Car Talk, but on their website they have you can print off this uh, Car Talk bingo, and it has some of their catchphrases they always say, and you can mark it. We have catchphrases, we really do. I mean, there's certain words that we just say over and over and over. Uh, myself, uh, probably the the prime example of that. Um, so I think that'd be fun to have table talk radio bingo, and, and when you hear you know Pastor Wolfmiller say et cetera, et cetera, you mark it on the <laughs> <laughs> you mark it on the thing. <laughs> nice, I like that idea. I, when I was at the seminary, I uh, made a bingo for the uh, they had a symposium every year, and um, and all the professors would get up and give papers, and I I made a bingo card for that because the uh, professors all had their theological catchphrases that they would use, and so it never it never really got off the ground. I, I, we should uh, get back on that though, because then right in the middle of this big, there's this room full of theologians and these professors up there giving these very serious talks, and then right in the middle of it, uh, bingo. <laughs> I think that'd be great. So if we were playing Pietistic Bingo, um, you would have Just and Father God right there on the on the thing. Right. Although I do not recommend playing bingo during prayers. Yeah. But <laughs> if you were, that's what you would have. Because it wouldn't take All long right. to get the bingo. Bingo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> number eight. Okay. You might be a pietist if you put your favorite rock and roll radio station on the number six preset button because you think that the Christian radio stations should get preset <laughs> button precedence. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, this is great. <laughs> so it's it's okay to have the rock and roll station on the preset as long as you have the, the proper order of the preset buttons. Right, right. The precedence always goes to the Christian radio stations. They get number one, number two. Even if you don't listen to them, they should just be there on your radio station. <laughs> okay, now how, how would this lend to uh, being being in Christian talk radio yourself? Uh, how would this lend towards uh, a pietist? <laughs> well, we should maybe well, talk about that uh, right after this break because we have about oh, twenty man. seconds. So, but we're going to continue discussing this top ten list. You might be a pietist if. Right after this break, don't forget to call our listener response line 866-851-5523. We'll be right back for more. Especially if any of these describe you, we want to hear from you. That's right. (laughs) We'll be right back.
why, but you've been listening to Table Talk Radio. In the early 16th century, there was a man named John Tetzel who is remembered for his selling of indulgences to fund the construction of St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. He said, as soon as the coin in the coffer rings, a soul from purgatory springs. Luther, of course, combated this teaching, saying that the indulgence wasn't even worth the paper it was written on. We at Table Talk Radio want to give you something of equal value. For every dollar you donate through our website, tabletalkradio.org, we will send you one Table Talk Radio point. With this certificate of pretend Table Talk Radio points, you'll be reminded that the points on Table Talk Radio are like the treasury of merits to your salvation. No help whatsoever. Get your pretend Table Talk Radio points today by clicking the Donate button on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. Shake your body, baby, do that conga. No, you can't control yourself any longer. Come on, shake your body, baby, do that conga. No, you can't control yourself any longer. And we're back with everyone's favorite Lutheran theological game show. Uh, we are Last playing... show we did the we did the uh, heretic two step, and we should come up with the with the Orthodox Congo. <laughs> that's, that that's good. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> the confessional Congo. <laughs> now we're, nice. we're we're doing this. Uh, you might be a Pietist if, and we should probably say that uh, the reason Pastor Wolfner knows you so well is because he's a recovering Pietist. I am. Pietist Anonymous. <laughs> yeah, so, all of these described me about two or three weeks ago. <laughs> so, so, so someone tried to, to listen to your radio and like, what is it? What's one through five going on here? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, boop, boop, boop. You just click through all of them. Duh, 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 duh. You even, what we're talking about, uh, radio preset precedence, and so the precedence has to go to the Christian station because there's, if it's a Christian station, it, there's something kind of automatically more holy about it, you see? Right. And so you have to give precedence to it even though you don't like it. Like, I'm a Christian, so I'm supposed to listen to Christian radio, uh, etc. cetera. Uh, Christian music, I'm supposed to like Christian music better than I like this pagan rock and roll, <laughs> you know. Uh, this is one of the pietist things. It, one of the so one of the things about pietism is it creates its own subculture. It it makes this. Uh, it wants to make these lines between the holy and unholy. And so if it has to do with church, um, it's holy. If it doesn't, then it's secular. So there's a holy music and an unholy music. There's um, uh, so so there's even these. You can you can find these radio station websites where you go and you say what's your favorite secular artist, and so you type in Van Halen or whatever, and it says these are the Christian artists that oh, sound nice. like them. <laughs> what what so what, can can, can we what, what's a a pietist version of Table Talk Radio? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. They're probably still working on that. <laughs> okay. Uh, but this, this is, uh, but see, this is because you don't want to listen to secular music because the demons come in through your ears. So you got to listen to the Christian music. Now, I think the problem though with the Christian music is that um, you let your your guard down. When it's good to, if you're listening to secular music, to say, "Hey, wait a minute, that's just fat, uh, flat, fat out. <laughs> that's just flat out paganism. I don't want to listen to that nonsense." But then when we listen to Christian music, we could say, "Hey, that's also flat out paganism. I don't want to listen to that either." I mean, we don't want to let our guard down just because the the station is below uh, 91 on the FM dial or whatever. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> That's also where you find NPR, where especially you don't want to let your, 
your your guard down. Hey, what? How's that going? By the way, to get table talk on NPR stations. Yeah, I'm still that... working on it. So far, we haven't had any bites. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> we we uh, might be able to get. Uh, speaking of being below the 91 dial, we might be able to get on the classical station at like four in the morning. But. That'd be all right. I think uh, the, our comment that uh, that socialism is a breaking of the seventh commandment because it's stealing might uh, you know might not be so good for us getting on the NPR business. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that we shot ourselves in the foot when we said that one. Okay, <laughs> we need to move along. Uh, that, that number seven is that where we are? Yes. Okay, number seven. You might be a Pietist if you've read Rick Warren. <laughs> <laughs> That's simple. It's that simple. You've read the book. You're a Pietist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we need to go into explanation. Uh, you're likely talking about Rick Warren's book. I mean, there's, he's had several works that are kind of all the same, but the big one is The Purpose Driven Life. And uh, would you give us a – since you're the, the recovering pietist and you've read this, what's the brief synopsis of, of The Purpose Driven Life? Here, so here's how to understand The Purpose Driven Life. You, um, the first sentence says it's not about you. It's about Jesus. And then the rest of the book goes on to talk about how it's about you. You know who's done a, a lot of work on the purpose-driven life is um, is our friend Steve Parks, who's a pastor down the street here. And he compiled, I believe, all of the commands that are in the uh, purpose-driven life. I mean, all the, the statements of law about how you're supposed to live. And there's something like f- 535 uh, different commandments that Rick Warren gives. Amazing. And uh, I think uh, we what we should do is get a list of the the commandments from the Babylonian Talmud, you know, the Jewish oral law, and then put them next to purpose-driven life commandments, and you see you, you got just about the same thing. Um, but his book is about how we, uh, through doing our good works, etc., etc., can please God, which is precisely uh, uh, the danger of pietism. It, it sets us working to please God rather than knowing that God is pleased with us through the death of Jesus. Right. And so here you have Rick Warren telling you that uh, – in fact, we listened to a, a sermon a few weeks ago by um, Charles Stanley that was preaching this exact book. Um, but you know, that okay, Jesus gets you into Christianity, but once you're in Christianity, it's up to you to earn your rewards. And yes. uh, in fact, with this, I was talking about this with someone, and, and the question came up. You know, well, aren't there different levels of heaven? How do you answer that? Are there different levels of heaven? Well, there's. I mean, to say different levels is uh, the answer to that is no. But are there different rewards in heaven? Are there different uh, blessings in heaven? Well, yeah, the Bible does talks about like this passage in Daniel where it says those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars in the heavens forever and ever. That's a marvelous passage, and it's saying, look, there's blessings for those uh, that preach the word so that other people can hear and believe it. Um, it seems like that there there would be different vocations um, and different blessings that the Lord does give to us in heaven. And yet, um, uh, the blessing that all Christians have is Jesus himself. Uh, and, and so there's a there's kind of a, there's different blessings in the context of pure blessedness. But all of these blessings come as the gift of Jesus. It's not like, Oh, you earn heaven, or, you, you, or heaven comes by eternal life comes by grace, and then you go and earn your reward in heaven. You know, that's just silly. But there is this kind of this idea in Rick Warren that this life is a test, and how you do on the test determines how uh, you know how nice your yard is in the resurrection or whatever. And that is just it's it's not, that's not Christianity. That's more like Hinduism. 
Right. Uh, well, and a couple of things. Um, you know, I always talk about this. You know that that if God presents you with opportunity to help someone for the purpose of of you know getting rewards in heaven, well, the inverse is true that if I don't help this person, then I'm sinning because we're supposed to you know love our neighbor as ourselves. And so, if if God presents someone for me to help, it's not like this is extra credit for me that. I'm obligated to help this person because they're my neighbor. And so to not do so is sin, and Christ has paid the punishment for all sin. And so when I go to heaven, I expect the heavenly rewards, not because I did all the extra credit, but because everything that I did um, is sinless because of what Christ has done for me. Right. Everything that we have in heaven is because we were forgiven, not because we were good. Exactly right. You're exactly right. Now, wh- where the scriptures are a bit more explicit is they t- they do talk about levels or degrees of punishment in hell, and uh, um, and there seems to be different um, uh, in, in this absolute damnation. There seems to be d- different levels of absolute damnation in there. Uh, now, how that sorts out, uh, you and I and all of our listeners never want to find out. Um, but the scriptures do talk more about that, the different uh, kind of the hotter realms of uh, of hell, if you will. Um, right. So. Okay, number six. Oh, you might be a pietist if you have a 30-second, a one-minute, and a, quote, extended version of your testimony. <laughs> now, now, I hear this all the time. Um, now, what's wrong with just <laughs> telling someone... Uh, uh, you know, we talk about making a testimony. What's what's wrong with telling someone what, what God has done in my life? What's wrong with that? Well, the problem is it becomes subjective. See, one of the marks again of Pietism. We're we're bringing out a lot of marks of Pietism here. One of them is that it it is a subjective religion. It's a religion of feelings rather than facts. Uh, now, it, it could be a fact that Jesus has saved you, but how did he do that objectively? Well, he did it by having his word preached to you. He did it by your baptism. He did it by creating faith through the gospel that was heard into your ears and all of this sort of thing. Um, but really, the the winning of our salvation occurred long before any of us were even born. It occurred uh, a 2,000 or almost 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross. And and that's what people need to hear. The testimony uh, idea of when Jesus saved me, it takes this objective work of Christ and then it puts it into my kind of subjective emotions. Uh, so every religion has testimonies. You know, someone could come and tell you how uh, how Muhammad changed their life, and they could give you a, a thirty second or one minute or extended version of their <laughs> of their testimony of how Muhammad changed their life, how Allah came into their heart, or how uh, how Moses uh, how how they were headed down the wrong thing, but then they discovered Moses and Moses saved them. This sort of thing. It, it, you see, it becomes very um, very subjective and unchallengeable. The Christian message, though, is a historical one that says, look, at uh, uh, almost 2,000 years ago, there was a Jewish man who never sinned, who was God in the flesh, and who died for you. His death was an atoning sacrifice for your sins. And you you can rejoice in that. Yeah, that's right. We have one more minute here before the break. Let's uh, talk about number five. This is maybe one of my favorites. This should be number one, in my opinion. But it's number five. You might be a pietist if you think you think the Ten Commandments should be in the courtrooms, but you don't know what all the Ten Commandments are. 
<laughs> and it's true. It, it's also true that, that we uh, so often want to put all these Christian symbols everywhere, like the Ten Commandments or crosses in places. You know, I want to do all this. But then we go to church and we don't have the crosses there. <laughs> have you ever? Yeah. So the religious symbols should be in the courtroom, but not in the church building. Right. <laughs> That doesn't make much sense to me. But we'll, we're on number five. We'll, we'll continue with this list. You might be a pietist if, right after this next commercial break. We're here to answer your questions. You can do so by sending us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. Check out our website, too, tabletalkradio.org. We have table scraps on there with some extra interviews. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Table Talk Radio. The games are just an excuse. And now it's time for Table Talk Extras with Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. The law is intent on killing us. And if you need proof of that, you just have to read the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says something like this. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and that whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable of hellfire. You see, that law that just stands there by itself, you shall not murder, could perhaps be keepable, doable. I could say that I haven't murdered anyone today because I haven't taken an ice pick to anyone's back or something like this. But when Jesus takes the law, he unfolds the fullness of it. He doesn't dull it. He makes it sharp so that this law cuts So that when we see Jesus' definition of murder, we know that we have broken it and that this law condemns us. He does the same thing with the law against adultery. If you even look with lust that you've committed adultery in your heart. And so Jesus unfolds the spiritual use of the law, which is to bring us death, to show us that we've all broken the law. And what we deserve because of our breaking the law is God's wrath and his punishment. Then we are ready for Jesus' cross. Because there he bears the wrath and punishment that we deserve because of our sin. There he takes it on ourselves. We murderous, adulterous, lying, blasphemous thieves, we who deserve God's wrath, instead Jesus gets it and we get his love, his smile, his forgiveness, his grace, his life, his hope. We get all of these things, not because we deserve it, but because Jesus died for us. So praise God that through the law we're killed and through the gospel we're made alive. This has been a production of Table Talk Radio. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.
Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Bumps like this are why we don't have many pietists in the audience. <laughs> well, we'll get to, we'll get to that later in the list. All right, we're, we just hit number five. You might be a pietist if you think the Ten Commandments should be in the courtrooms, but you don't know what all of them are, uh, which I think is true. <laughs> a lot of people don't know what the Ten Commandments are, but we know they should be publicly displayed. Let's move on. What's number four? Oh, man. Now, you, just a quick comment on that one. Oh, sure. I know you want to hurry this along, but uh, pietists often are involved in uh, in politics, kind of the religious right, uh, for the reason of, uh, you see, if sanctification is the most important thing in my life, it's also the most important thing in society as well. So this bleeds over into kind of Christian political movements. Christians should be involved in politics, uh, but it should be as their vocation of citizen, uh, etc., all right, number four. You might be a pietist if this is Table Talk Radio that you're listening to, by the way, everybody's favorite Lutheran theological game show, and we're doing this top ten list of you might be a pietist. It's taken all our time. We've only gotten halfway through, but that's all right. That's all right. No one's worried, are you? I'm not worried. I hope that, by the way, those that are listening, you're thinking, boy, this describes me, or boy, this describes my mother, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you can uh, you can send them this uh, this uh, podcast and uh, say hey take a listen to this it's pretty funny. That's uh, on the way they... by the way on our website tabletalkradio.org. Number four, you might be a pietist if you've referred to other Christians as quote cold or nominal or the frozen chosen because they haven't been born again. Ah, now this goes to what you were talking about earlier about kind of drawing this distinction between the the uh, holy and and unholy. Yes, the pietist is going to see, um, they're going to make a difference between the nominal Christian and the true Christian, between um, what they, what is it, the phrase for faith, a dead faith and a living faith, mm. as if faith could be dead. So those Christians that just come to church on Sunday and then don't do anything else, you know, they're, they're the, uh, the frozen chosen. They yep. haven't been obviously born again. Now, a few weeks ago, I, I t- talked about uh, Luther's brilliant insight on this, that that the nominal Christian isn't the one who you know, only goes to church, but it's the nominal Christian is the one who uh, goes to church and receives uh, God's word and uh, the sacraments, the, the Lord's body and blood, and then that isn't enough for them, that they go out and seeking to be holy in other ways other than just what uh, the Lord gives us by his gifts. Right, Luther reverses it because Luther knows the center of our Christianity is is repentance. In other words, being sorry for our sin and trusting in the promise that our sins are forgiven. Um, but the the Pietist wants to make the center of their Christianity their walk of obedience to God. And the walk of obedience to God begins when you have a quote born again experience, which is nothing like what the Bible says about being born again. I mean, what the Bible means when it says being born again, it means being baptized. Remember, right? When Jesus says the Nicodemus. Three, yeah. Unless John three. Uh, John three, unless you're <laughs> Nicodemus not three. Nicodemus three, <laughs> that'd be like something you'd quote for me on Bible B. <laughs> Nicodemus three, uh, John three. Unless you were born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And you have to. How are you born again? By water and the Word. By water and the Spirit. It says there. Uh, so that's baptism. So being born again is being baptized in the Bible. For the Pietist, being born again is having some sort of experience of the Holy Spirit. You see, again we're. It's a matter of subjective experience rather than the things that God has done. Uh, so uh, so there you go. That's number four. Okay. Now, before the show, you uh, told me how we were going to divide these up. You told me that, that you would do the evens and I would do the odds. And now I just realized why. 
because number three is you might be a pietist if your Facebook status says, Dear Lord, help me to be more like you today. <laughs> is that because is that, that what your status is? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, it always is. Like, yeah. One of the things of pietism is when the pietist opens the scriptures. You see, when we open the Bible, we can ask of the text a number of things. But the, the question that the pietist is going to ask of the scriptures is, what is this telling me to do today? Now, that's not a bad question to ask, but oh, it, it, sh- it can't be the only question that we ask of the text. Because if we ask the question, what does this telling me to do today, what's the answer going to be? Law or gospel? It's always going to be law, see? Right. Uh, but the pietist has this emphasis of, of my life now must conform um, to, the, to the will of God. So the what would Jesus do bracelet, the, the constant search to be holy uh, by our own deeds or by our own devotional acts, etc. This is all going to be a mark of a pietist. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, especially if, you're, if you use Facebook to perpetuate that. <laughs> Number two. You ready? I like this one. You might be a pietist if you need a dolly to carry around your huge Bible with Bible cover. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What's, what's wrong with carrying around a big Bible? Uh, nothing. It's just a mark of a pietist. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess a non-pietist have a, a huge Bible, too, but I think the, the, uh, uh, one, of the, <laughs> one of the things with pietism is you want to uh, and this is a bit subtle. If you're a pietist and you're listening to this, this might be a little bit hard for you to admit. But one of the things about pietism is you want to um, you want to demonstrate your holiness. Uh, you want to show other people that you're a Christian. And one of the ways that you can do that is by having a Christian bumper sticker, or at least if you don't want to devalue your car, you have a fish or something <laughs> on there. And then you can carry around some huge monster Bible, and you can mark that sucker up so that people know... Uh, that you read it. What's more is if you have a, a little niche in there for every person you've led to Christ. <laughs> right? Oh, boy. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number Poor one. pietists are having a tough time on this show today. <laughs> They've clicked off long ago. Um, Poor pietists. <laughs> the, the, the pietists, by the way, would respond to this show and say, these guys are just pagan you know one of the things by the way if you're not a pietist and you're listening to the show which is probably most likely but you know who we're talking about i mean you can you're thinking in your mind oh this person's a pietist that person's a pietist uh what they think of you is probably that you have a dead faith that you're maybe not a christian uh pastors get a pass most pietists will assume that pastors are christian but i remember being a pietist and i figured that most of the people in my lutheran church were were not even really christians they were just they were so lazy about doing good works that how could they how could they be a Christian? Yeah. Uh, and 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 so one of the things when we go to talk to pietists, we have to do a couple of things. One, we have to we have to show that we read and believe what the Bible says is true. The second is that we believe that Jesus is uh, is our Savior who died on the cross for our sins. Because if if those two things are not obvious to the pietist. Uh, then their ears will be closed to you. And then the third thing is that we do think that that doing good works uh, are important. Uh, Of course they're important. Jesus wouldn't have commanded them if they weren't important. But they're not the main thing. The main thing is being died for by Jesus. Mm -hmm. Which brings us to number one. You might be a pietist if you don't like table talk radio. (laughs) Now, we should say, though... uh, 
you know, the, this thing about pietism is that it, it lurks within each and every one of us. Um, yes. all, I mean, because because we still deal with our flesh, all of us have at some point or another uh, rated ourselves to be higher or more holy than another Christian. That we, we that, I mean, it's the Pharisee in us, is it not? I mean, it's, 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 the, it's the Pharisee that says, thank God I'm not like that sinner. Because... Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm starting to get this this Christianity thing figured out. I, I haven't said as much as that guy, but what God's what Jesus says is it's it's the sinner, the sinner who goes home justified because uh, Christ came to redeem sinners, not the ones who can who can uh, lead a, uh, the the perfect life or who can who can figure out how to not sin anymore. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we all when we think of the devil tempting us, we normally think of the devil tempting us to sin. But there is a way where the devil can even tempt us with good works. Because if we can do good works and trust in those works, then the devil has us. So there's this uh, there's this lurking little mini Pharisee in each one of us uh, that wants to measure, wants to uh, to compare, wants to do good works, and then uh, and, and then hold them up before God as something to boast in. Uh, and so you're right. Each of us are fighting against this uh, this little inner pietist. All right. Would you want to play uh, name that church body? No. <laughs> <laughs> but I know you do, so I'll concede. <laughs> well, we we only have about a minute here, so I'll I'll uh, read this and see how far we go. All right. Um, I don't know if we'll have time for Ten Commandments in the news today. That's all right. Okay. Here right. it is. My favorite game that we're not going to play. <laughs> okay, here it is. God wants to teach us that the blood and the spirit of Christ wash away our sins, just as water washes away dirt from our bodies. But more important, he wants to assure us by this divine pledge and sign that the washing away of our sins spiritually is, uh, is as real as physical washing with water. Whoa. So that is, a, I have three of these quotes for you, so I, I will give you two more right after this break. But that's the first one for your consideration of name that church body. You'll have to give it to us again. Those of us playing along at home, too, want to hear that so we can try to guess what in the world that came from. Absolutely. We'll do it right after this break, too. Stay tuned for more Table Talk Radio. This is Todd Wilkin, host of Issues Etc. When I can't sleep, I listen to Table Talk Radio. We interrupt this story, which is coming from Iraq. Has Rosie Sue and Donald, Donald Sue and Rosie back. We're cutting from Darfur in the morning with urgent news. There's a Well, unfortunately, we're not going to have time to get to Ten Commandments in the news. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio, because we are playing Name That Church Body. This is my favorite game. Really? Because I thought uh, Ten Commandments in the News was your favorite game. 
I, I remember, you know, I was talking about, I was going back listening to our old shows. I remember uh, after we first started talking about favorites and uh, our Table Talk radio points, we said, uh, that's pretty funny, but it'll probably get old pretty quick. <laughs> Oh, yeah. well, still and, hasn't. And, and just look, it hasn't gotten old. No, yet. yeah, we were totally wrong on that one. Oh, I know. This is as fresh as ever. <laughs> All right. Well, here's the first of three uh, <laughs> quotes uh, from some particular church confession or statement of beliefs. And the first one is this: God wants to teach us that spirit and the by the blood and spirit of Christ wash away our sins, just as water washes away dirt from our bodies. But more important, He wants to assure us. By this divine pledge and sign that the washing away of our sins spiritually is as real as physical washing with water. Okay, so that's talking about baptism and what the and what whoever wrote this thing is doing is saying, look at the reason why uh, water is used is because God wants to teach us that just like water really washes you, so the spirit and the blood of Jesus also really wash you on the inside. So there's a so it's a person who who would this church body would reject baptismal regeneration, the idea that um, through the water and promise of baptism, sins are washed away. At least that's what I think from that quote, if I oh, if I got it right. Okay. So so that's going to be anybody but Lutheranism, really. Uh, that's what we've <laughs> so, narrowed it down to. <laughs> All right. Well, let's try some more. Your second quote is this. First, as surely as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me and the cup given to me, so surely his body was offered and broken for me, and his blood poured out for me on the cross. Second, as surely as I receive from the hand of the one who serves, and taste with my mouth the bread and the cup of the Lord, given me as sure signs of Christ's body and blood, so surely he nourishes and refreshes my soul for eternal life with the crucified body and poured out blood. Whoa, that's a really interesting. This is this is a, there's some subtle work to be done here because, I mean this this emphasis on the baptism and the Lord's Supper being a sign. This would be kind of a in the Calvinistic vein, but but uh, the Lutherans could use this language as well. And this and this is getting awfully close to saying uh, that Christ's body and blood is there, but it but it doesn't go all the way. So I need a third. I need a third quotation. All right. Well, the third one is in the same vein, and it says this. Uh, to eat the crucified body of Christ and to drink his poured out blood means to accept with a believing heart the entire suffering and death of Christ, and by believing to receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life. But it, it means more through the Holy Spirit who lives both in Christ and in us. We are united more and more to Christ's blessed body. And so... Although he is in heaven and we on earth, we are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone, and we forever live on and are governed by one spirit as members of one body are by one soul. Oof. Uh, now, uh, oh boy. I wonder how tricky you're trying to be here, Vicar. <laughs> the, uh, the, this language of the way that we eat his body and drink his blood is by believing in his promise. Uh, this is uh, precisely the teaching of John Calvin. Um, now, it could be, though, you could have gone and found when our friend Philip Melanchthon, who wrote half the Lutheran confessions and then became a Calvinist. <laughs> How about that for, 
for a, a little oversimplification of the history, but uh, when he was loose on the Lord's Supper, he might have talked like this. But I, I think this kind of uh, stuff is going to be from Calvin or one of the guys following Calvin. Um, now, it's named that church body. Is this from a uh, from like a statement of faith or something like this? Um, this would be a form of confessions that a church would use. A form of confession that a church would use. So it's a wordy kind of confession. So I think it's going to be an older one, um, something like um, the Belgian Confession of Faith or something like that. But I'm going to guess uh, the the people that would use that would be the um, well, maybe even the Methodists or the Anglicans. But I'm going to guess our friends, the Presbyterians. I think you're right because this is from the Heidelberg Catechism. Aha, Heidelberg Catechism. Yes. So these are questions on... Uh, baptism and the Lord's Supper in the the Heidelberg Catechism. Just got this. I, I was happy to use this. Oh, yeah. Just got your Heidelberg Catechism? That's right. Well, good. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> it's nice. Doesn't it? It, it starts nice, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, it does. Is that where it says the chief end of uh, man is to uh, w- uh, worship God and enjoy him forever or something like that? Or uh, uh, what's our only comfort in life and in death? Is right, that how yeah. The, qu- the question is, what is the only comfort in life and in death? That Did I am not know? my own, but belong, uh, my body and soul, in life and death, to my faithful Savior, Christ Jesus. That's a marvelous question. Uh, you, do you know how it came about, though? The guy who, the two fellows wrote the Heidelberg Catechism, and one of them studied under Philip Melanchthon, the other under Calvin. Really? But so Yeah, so one of the authors of the Heidelberg Catechism uh, had this strong Lutheran influence. That, no wonder that sounds a lot like Melanchthon, because, uh, I mean... So there you go. Now I should have guessed Heidelberg. Isn't it interesting? Ooh, that would have been impressive. Isn't it interesting that that the Heidelberg Catechism starts with that, whereas Luther's small catechism begins with the Ten Commandments. It is Heidelberg Catechism and the, and Luther's small catechism are doing two different things though. Uh, the Heidelberg Catechism is long. I mean, how many questions it it has? It's got uh, like thousand, two thousand. I mean, hundreds of questions. One hundred and twenty-six. Is that right? It's it's not it, for. Uh, it's not for memorizing. It's for teaching the faith. Uh, Luther's catechism is is uh, is for praying. It's for I mean, it's a devotional sort of thing. Um, so there's a different thing going on there. But anyways, very good. All right. Well, we have five minutes left, so we probably have time for one more church body. So what do you got for me? First, I'll receive from you some points for getting that. <laughs> All, right. All right. I think you deserve. Um, 200 points for that. Sweet. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. you got to listen close. The love of God and neighbor, fulfilled by faith alone, are the two commandments by which Christ taught us to measure and interpret every other commandment in the Scripture. Okay. I I might need that again if you don't mind. Sure. The love of God and neighbor, fulfilled by faith alone, are the two commandments by which Christ taught us to measure and interpret every other commandment in the Scripture. Okay. I think I'd like to hear another one before I comment on that. Okay. We believe that God also provides insights to us through reason, imagination, the social and physical sciences, cultural understanding, and the creative arts. Okay, I'm I'm starting to lean that this is. Oh, I think I know what this is, but I'll wait. I'll reserve my guess. Um, this 
this sounds like one of a, a uh, some sort of a liberal type church because it's tra- trying to give us insights about ourselves through reason and culture. Um, this this uh, is going to be one of these church bodies that are on the the cutting edge, so to speak, of of defining morality and, and things like this. The first one I'm going to go back. Say so the first one is trying to to give some, give some sort of a mark of the church that that we love each other through. Uh, what God com- through God's command. So if we're if we're loving, that'll be the mark of the church that that we are actually Christians. Yeah, and it and it. Remember, we did the heresy two step last week, and so love now is an abstraction of the law. So it's not the that the commandments actually matter in themselves, but rather the commandments only matter that they teach us to love. So if we can love, then we don't have to keep the specific commandments. Uh, we can just love free love. All right. And and then the second quote was um that's right it says the the line before that says yeah the scriptures teach us but we also learn through all this other stuff. You want a third quote? I uh, might as well. Um I mean, I don't here, need it but I'll I'll take it for the here. fun. Oh, and I get 500 points for you not knowing that I used the buzzword. Did you? Whoop, whoop, whoop. Oh, marks of the church. Oh yeah. I was wondering why you're saying that cuz it sounded kind of strange. <laughs> <laughs> I should be paying more attention. <laughs> It didn't really fit, so I was wondering. (laughs) Here's a third quotation. Therefore, we believe that the way we order our lives in matters of human sexuality is important to faithful living, but not central to determining our salvation. We're able to be realistic and merciful with respect to our physical and emotional realities, not striving for angelic perfection as if our salvation were at stake. Even marriage is an earthly blessing on this side of heaven. Okay, so this is trying to separate... Uh, certain actions or certain uh, I would guess certain sins from our salvation. Um, I'm I'm gonna I think you should give me extra points not only if I name the church body but if I name the document from which you are reading. All right, fair enough. Okay, the church body I believe uh, that you're reading from is uh, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Yes, and the document you're reading from is the Human Sexuality. Uh, gift and trust from the uh, uh, ELCA adopted from their most recent convention. Right. <laughs> now this you got it. This last question is, I think, key because the question comes up. Oh, we're out, almost out of time. The question comes up: What does it have to do with our salvation? It's everything. Because if Christ died for sin, then He died for the homosexual. If we're willing to call it a sin, yeah, that's right. Uh, so thank you all for listening to Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like sermon illustrations from the National Enquirer magazine. Really quite useless. (laughs) (laughs) You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to question at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message. 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening, and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.